Hello everyone, welcome to Cloud Tech Talks, your go-to-cloud podcast from Amethyst Technologies. This is Indupriya. We are back with part two of the fireside chat between Madhukumar, founder and CEO of Amethyst Technologies, and the cloud luminary, David Lenticum. Let's continue. It's all yours, Madhukumar. And, and when do you think, David, that, you know, what, what should not do uh, from a CIO or a CDO, uh, you know, they have, let's say they migrated 20, 30%. They are looking at more migrations uh, over the next, uh, quickly for this year, at least when they plan 2024, don't do this, you know, uh, because they have options to do many things. Where do you, do you, do you think you can pencil down a couple of thoughts to say that, hey, don't do this, you know, th- this year you're stepping up, uh, you're setting yourself up for failure, uh, like thinking everything can be in cloud. That's a thinking to be failing, you know. Do 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 you have a couple of points there? What not to do, you know? <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there's general advice. The reality is we have access to metrics now. In other words, we know how much value a lot of these things that we're looking to do will bring back to the business. If you have the guts to figure that stuff out, in many instances, you're going to find that you created a bunch of technical debt that has to yeah. be mitigated and things like that over the last ten years, but. With the modern FinOps systems and some of the analytics that we have, we can actually look at the opt- optimization of the existing as is state and how it compares to best practices and what other people are values other people are getting out of the same platform configuration. So we can see how bad things are and therefore we can look at opportunities to improve. And if we focus on that, we just focus on the numbers that are coming back to the business and not the technology in general, we'll be fine. Uh, some people don't focus on that. They're not doing those metrics. They don't have those tooling in place for people. That's probably more so people who can drive that tooling and make those decisions, but it's no longer an option. I mean, we can't make mistakes. Uh, uh, I understand it's, you know, people like to say fail fast in business, but you can't fail only in business. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, this comes down to the strategic placement of resources in terms of how you're going to leverage technology in a certain way that's going to bring the majority, bring more value back to the business than your competitors. Things are moving very quickly. Your competitors are learning to weaponize generative AI in the cloud and all these other things to provide better products and services and better customer experiences. If you don't figure that out along with them, or you're not able to get ahead of the competition, you're, you're going to have to exit your industry. And I, I do see this happening now where lots of name, name brand companies have been around for 100, 200 years are already niching out because they can't figure out how to keep up with their disruptors and the different competitors, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's retail, you know, auto auto manufacturing with, you know, I think six new automobile manufacturers now that we didn't have five years ago. Um, that are putting pressure on that environment. And that's because people are going to figure out ways in which they can uh, optimize a particular market if it's not being done by the competitors. And, the, the, and they're saying, well, you know, we'll just keep up at the current rate of innovation and the current rate of spend. If we don't change anything, we should be successful. You're going to drive everything into the ground if you do that. So it's going to be such a dynamic competitive advantage to how you leverage technology as a core dynamic the health of the business. And of course, everything relates to the health of the business, it's all interrelated, but the importance of the technology stack in order to bring value back to the business has kind of gone from an expense, which it was you know, mm-hmm. 20, 10, 20 years ago, into a competitive differentiator in the marketplace that'll make or break your business. And it's corely tied to your ability to make or break your business. I can look at the bankruptcies and I can look at the businesses that failed over the last 10 years and look at underlying what 
the problem was with that. And ultimately, 70% of them, they made improper technical decisions. They acquired yeah. companies where they couldn't integrate the technology, so they don't plan on doing so. They were wasting resources on maintaining their existing uh, stuff or trying to do things that were, were counter contraindicated for the business and didn't put the bets where the bets needed to be and ended up going bad. And I think we're going to see that accelerate in 2024 and 2025. You know, I'll call them out in my blog and on my podcast, but there's no reason to do that. If you do some basic back of the napkin planning and really kind of set the expectations in the culture among people that are making the technology decisions that this is the metric that we're going for. The technology doesn't matter. What matters is the business and our ability to, uh, to configure the technology in such a way that is completely optimized to maximize the value back to the business. It's really that simple, but everybody seems to be missing it. And I think the reason is because they don't know how to do it. They don't know step one through 20, you know, to figure those things out. You need to get those people on board to figure those things out. Now it's not going to be the CFO. It's not going to be the CIO. It's going to be specialized talent and skills of the organization where people understand how to configure. It's, it's going to be a good cloud architect, a good cloud technologist who yeah. understands the pragmatic use of the technology. And so those people need to exist. And I'm sure that there's not a lot of them walking the earth right now. And I think that's the problem. <laughs> I, have. I agree. I agree with you. I think you, you really talked about, you know, five, 10 years back, CIOs got the boardroom uh placements you know there was this boiler room to boardroom concept that hey technology is so important let's cios be at the ceo level you know reporting to that you know so now we see that with this cloud proliferation you know cfos can't be alone cios can't do alone ctos do you do you foresee is there any any new kind of role which will come up you know maybe a i don't know a business enabler or any other cx coming up because of this um, new opportunities as well as, as you said, you know, they, they, they allocate capital, they do M&A, don't integrate well. So ultimately, is it everything is execution driven or is it more of a, a new role will come up? Do you, do you think that way? I hope there's not going to be a new role created because I think it's a matter of optimizing and optimize. It's a matter of optimizing an existing role. So, okay. Everybody should have a CTO. Everybody should have a, ma a master architect that's leading some of the stuff that's in charge of configuring the business. He or she needs to have massive amounts of talent in terms of understanding how the market works and understanding what their core uh, mission is. And yep. if those people exist in the organization and they have the power to make changes and uh, influence changes within the organization, sometimes that's not the case, um, everything's going to be fine. And if you invent a role, then, you know, in a few years, it's going to be, that's the role people don't want anymore. Now I see VP of AI. Uh, okay. That really should be the architect. And that really should be the CTO. Those are the people who are thinking about all technologies inclusive of AI. So moving down, moving down that path, uh, um, yeah. you know, it's putting the expectations into people, into, into the executives in the company that have the technical skills and the wherewithal or usually have a team that has able to execute on their, on their wishes and desires that makes the calls there. And the problem is, is that in many instances, the CTOs and the architects don't have any any uh, power uh, within the organization. That my idiot was when I, I, mean, I would have been a CTO half a dozen times when I would take over for a company as their CTO, I had to be able to control budgets and fire people. And if I couldn't yeah. do that, I didn't take the role because I had to have some sort of things to operate very quickly. 
and make the changes I needed very quickly uh, and get the people I needed very quickly to make the changes that are occurring. In many instances, these are kind of ornamental roles. They know how to explain the technology, very polished. You see them at con yeah. conferences all the time. But as far as you talk to the people who are building the systems, you know, does, does he or she have an influence into the correct configuration of the technology? They're going to say, no, we never hear from that person. We, you know, mm -hmm. work for some line operations manager that reports to the CIO and who doesn't seem to know what's going on. And so he or she just gets uh, uh, guidance from whoever works for them. That can't scale. So there has to be a dynamic set of intelligence that's looking out for the business. And there has to be uh, executives such as the CIO and the CTO that asks the questions. Yeah. The other is sitting in the meeting, why are we doing this? Why is this being built? Why are we going with Amazon? Why are we going with Google? Why are we going with Microsoft? You know, what about the on-premise options? Have we done the dynamics, uh, done the metrics in terms of, you know, what the best solution is going to be? Those questions nine times out of 10 can't be answered. And if they can't be, then you're gonna need to stop and figure out how to answer them. Else we're gonna get to the same destructive state we just talked about previously. So hopefully I don't see new roles out there. I just see changes and better people in the roles that exist right now. But like I said, there's not a lot of, of those people walking the earth. We're trying to build them by training them, but it takes years of experience, I think, to become you know someone who's truly an architect and truly an effective CTO. Wonderful, wonderful. I think empowering them by training, I think that's a very, very uh, profound statement, uh, David. I, I like that, you know, because in between there was the CDO roles came up for I don't know, five to 10 years, you know, chief data officer, chief digital transformation officers, you know, these kind of roles were created at the board level. Then, you know, how many companies kept it? I, I, we may have to do a research, but that kind of fizzled down lower, you know. So I like that. Yeah, I think that, empowering that, CIOs. That, yeah, the vice president of data warehousing didn't end well. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, and there were a lot of those people running around 12 years ago. Correct, correct. So now I know uh, we are running short of time, David. We would have, I would have loved to talk to you more and more. But one completely different thinking for this. If you look at the universities and all these. Um, you know, where these graduates from the age of 20 to 30, they're the most powerful engineering graduates or computer science graduates or, you know, language specialists who are coming out. Off late, I see them learning these um, brilliant new technologies. Now, if you come to the real world, still not many organizations are in the new technology yet. So I, when I talk to customers, you know, I see this, Oh, there is a wealth of knowledge in a in a certain technology, certain legacies, quote unquote, not the the other legacy, the legacy technology. But these new younger generation doesn't want to even learn it. So, is is this a big uh, for an education segment? Do you think they should be very quick to come to new technologies? I think they should teach more memory management, more core engineering, you know, and then jump into these new technologies. Where do you see this? You know, because I, I go to universities, I, I get asked these questions quite often. You know, hey, we are teaching everybody new technologies, cloud, you know, service oriented. But go to the real world, man, they need some mainframe programmers, you know, <laughs> because you have to keep the business running. And no engineers want to work there. Do you see this, this issue in the market wherever you talk to? Yeah, big time. Um, so 
the pro I teach at LSU, uh, and of course it's DevOps and cloud architecture. I teach what the cool kids want to learn. The reality is that colleges yeah. have turned into a business, uh, and certainly training's a business out there, and people are yeah. going to be attracted to uh, uh, courses that they feel are going to have them work with the cool kids in the latest and greatest technology. Um, I mean, the the best selling course out on LinkedIn Learning is my course on generative AI in the cloud, yeah. and people are taking that. People are taking that likely not to work with generative AI <laughs> in years. And I think that is going to be a hindrance going forward. So what I would recommend to college universities is that it's okay to take the new technologies, but you have to, you know, kind of intermix that with the older technologies so they get around uh they get a rounded skill set. So they're not coming out just understanding a single, you know, latest uh uh, you know, latest cloud native technology, but they understand how COBOL and old C++ and LAMP stacks kind of fit into the mix. So yeah. you're building an architect. Um, there's no way to force that, but yeah. it's really kind of forced from the marketplace. I made the same mistake when I was in college. I learned AI because my professors told me that everything was going to go to AI. We're going to have no programmers in 62. <laughs> that was a while ago. Uh, and so I learned M1 and Lisp, and I went out and got a, uh, a job in M1 and Lisp. It lasted uh, two years before the whole thing just kind of went away. People quit focusing yep. on AI back in the 80s. And uh, I ended up having to learn COBOL uh, and uh, C uh, very quickly uh, I just because I needed to get a job. And so I could have uh, short-circuited that, understood that in college, and then patterned my career around the needs of the technology. So People are getting smarter in terms of if they're not finding the jobs out there and they're not finding the technology stacks. And I think it's also tiresome when people show up and say, I'm only going to work with cloud. Is okay, well, you're not going to be of use to me because you're you're single focused. You're not going to make objective decisions. Everything's going to look like a nail if you're a hammer. Um, so that's not necessarily going to be productive. So my advice is for people to get a rounded education. Unfortunately, it's they're not incentivized to do that. And the training companies and universities are putting more content out there that's more uh, what the cool kids are learning. And even though there may not be as many jobs following that, they, they kind of believe that's where everything is going. And so they focus on that and it ends up being a bad investment. So if you're listening out there, college kids, you're listening out there, people are trying to re-engineer your career, get a rounded perspective on old stuff, new stuff, and look at the market in terms of what people are actually using, what the systems are running on, engineer your skills there. That doesn't mean don't learn the new stuff because that's gonna be part of the mix as well. But the reality is you're only effective if you're able to manage the whole stack. If you're focusing on one part of the stack, that's not solving the problem. I love that, David, because you know, seeing those our podcast phenomenon, while of course clients do listen to it, off late, I'm seeing a lot of engineers listen to our podcast. And I thought, uh, uh, direct advice from you. This, I struggle in my company. You know, we are a team of 40, 50 engineers now we are creating. And while it's very cool to work on cloud technologies, but when we go to customers, deploy our product, there are certain cost elements that are going away in their on-prem site. And we say that, oh, okay, now we have to manage everything. At that time, I go to the same engineer and say, now, can you go grab that data set? Yeah, oh, okay, that's not an API first. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you said it. Uh, I'm glad the, the teams will understand it. It happens to my children too, you know, on the personal side. I, I tell my children, you know, hey, it's always nice to learn the new things, but please understand the fundamentals of engineering. Don't even give away, you know, 
find a way to learn it, whether from your college or whether from uh, any leaders. Wonderful, uh, David. I'm, 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 I definitely covered all the points. Uh, thank you very much for the time. Sidhu, do you have any more um, topics for us to discuss? Or? I do have a lot, Madhu. Um, I just want to uh, use the opportunity quickly. David, I have one question for you. I've sure. recently uh, come across uh, one of your LinkedIn articles, like don't run after the buzzwords. So architect all your solutions from the requirements and not the other way around. It was interesting. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think as a reason buzzword the industries are running after they shouldn't be, which they shouldn't be doing? Yeah, we just kind of discussed it. I mean, the hype's leading the way. I mean, there's, uh, what is it, $30 billion in marketing dollars that have been spent so far this year on just the generative AI stuff. So yeah. it's, it looks like there's a party going on that you're not invited to and you're having FOMO if you're missing out. So <laughs> cloud conferences have uh, become generative AI conferences, and that's kind of the new shiny object. And whether it's uh, cloud native development and serverless computing, all those sorts of things, you know, people have a tendency to kind of migrate to, and it's been like this into my entire career, um, where it's like uh, kids playing soccer, they have no strategy, they're just gonna run after the ball. And right now the ball's over in the generative AI field, it was in cloud, it was in serverless, uh, IoT, edge computing, you know, whatever the shiny new object is. And so if you start there, you're gonna get to the wrong answer because immediately you're looking at technology before you understand how you're leveraging technology. And that, that seems such a, such a simple thing that I almost feel I'm insulting people when telling people that. But we've been, we've been uh, influenced by all the marketing dollars out there to think about new technology first. I don't know how many meetings I'm in where I'll hear generative AI 10 times before you even discuss what's going on. And, and yeah. That's kind of an unhealthy way to do it. And I think that uh, people are gonna get burned as we just talked and you know, probably rethinking that. But I think it's always going to be uh, an issue just because we're influenced by this marketing that's going on. We feel uh, that it's important for us to learn this technology. We feel that it's, an, it's important for us to implement. And so it's gonna get implemented for the wrong reasons. And if not understanding the requirements, then chances are you're going to make a mistake. You're not going to guess the right solution the first time. That's going to have to be a methodical process that you go through from the requirements to the technology stack. So when I write articles like that, it, they, they get a lot of hits and people are like, uh, yeah, we get it. But the reality is it doesn't execute in the back that way. I, I just see the misuse of it so far. I'm not sure how to stop it because I'm not a psychologist. I'm a computer scientist. <laughs> but there's got to be some... Uh, uh, there's got to be some end to this at some point where we just look at the efficiency of it. I think it's moving in that direction, but it hasn't moved that direction yet. Wow, that's great. Thank you all for answering that, David. I, I totally had an undivided attention on all the discussion points throughout, so completely enlightening. I hope the same with the listeners as well. So thanks a lot, David, for your presence and uh, your thoughts in Cloud Tech Talks. Continue to inspire us in all possible ways. Uh, Mathieu, would you like to uh, say something before we close? Absolutely. Thank you, David and Sindhu. Great you had me uh, interviewing and discussing with David. And I, uh, you know, I, I remember with one statement when during the last 10, 15 years, whenever technology decisions are done, uh, one of the large CEO, you know, he always says, you're not my IT team, you're my business enabling technology team. You know, so when we go to the boardroom, everybody calls CIO, CIO's team, but this 
one CEO all the time he says, you're not an IT team, you're business enabling technology team, you know? So don't come and tell me this technology. Does it enable my business? Please come, you know? So it was a kind of nudging. It's a kind of way he put it up. And I can hear, see that with David's discussions, you know? You, you, you're, you're advising customers saying that, hey, do everything, but if it doesn't enable your business, stay away from it. Love it, David. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Madhu. Uh, thank you for that. And thank you for making it live and engaging the episode. Listeners, we are wrapping this up. And before closing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button for recent episode notifications and write all your cloud challenges to info at the rate of amdisglobal.com. We'll sort it out together with cloud prodigies like David in our upcoming episodes. Till then, enjoy your cloud journey. Thank you.